Good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Pretty good. Um, good to see you after taking a week off for Thanksgiving holiday. Indeed, yeah. Does this podcast feel like work to you? Not not usually, no. Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning where I like woke up and I was like, what's on my calendar? I was like, oh yeah, AOP, first thing. I almost felt like guilty for a second <laughs> where I was like, well, that's just podcast. That's just fun. Yeah. I'm not like doing any work in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, do you have I, that? I generally feel that way. Sometimes I'm I get a little self conscious about my updates, so I'll I'll have a background thread spinning on that. Like, how can I make this my update as good as last week? I feel like I have a good episode the prior week, and the next week it's like, oh man, I got to I got to top that. <laughs> yeah, you need you need seven percent growth every week. That's the yeah start exactly. Way. <laughs> exactly. Every update must be seven percent better. Yeah, yeah. I guess this is actually good, right? Because. I know for sure the podcast is a good marketing, community building kind of effort that we do. Like, we get a lot of customers who heard about it through the podcast. I think it makes people a little more bought into the journey, yada, yada, yada. I'm pretty convinced it's a good thing that we, that at least from my side, that I'm doing for Tuple. But at the same time, it just feels like fun and easy. And so I'm always like, but is this really work if I don't hate it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's something maybe buried deep in your psychology about the american work ethic or something that's like causing that to happen <laughs> yeah yeah like when i talk to various people and coaches and stuff they usually kind of like celebrate this fact they're like you like doing marketing things you're a programmer that like likes doing marketing things that's pretty rare you should be like glad that that's a true and not like not feeling guilty about it but somehow i managed to turn it into a negative <laughs> uh, honestly that's kind of what i'm going for for most of my job you know like I want a good outcome for the business in the long term, but I also want to enjoy the journey, which is something that is very, very much a bootstrapper ethos kind of thing to care about, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's very much our, our stated goal. Like we started a company because we wanted to have a, you know, a good, a good professional and like life. And then when I'm like, well, I'm doing the thing I like, I think is fun. It's like, oh, but can it really be good if it's pleasurable? <laughs> it's a kind of a weird, it's a weird way to think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are. Let's do it anyway, even if it is fun. I'm glad you enjoy this podcast. I do too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. So I got some more video game coaching. Oh, did you? Okay. Yes. Coach all the things. That's, yeah, that's my thing. It coaches for everything. I've been working with this coach that I really like. He's coaching me on Overwatch. The main coaching strategy is to watch replays of games I played and sort of stop and notice things and rewind and talk about it moments and, and look for sort of good things and bad things to talk about. That technique, I think, works for basically everything. So here's the the bad news. The bad news is watching yourself do something can be like really painful. Agonizing. It can be agonizing. Yeah, yeah. particularly like listening to podcast episodes. I'm, I'm over it now. Now I like it. But like, like watching yourself on video, listening to yourself, watching you do a thing is, is almost always awkward for people. It never feels that fun to me. I'm never like, oh, I can't wait to watch a replay of a thing I did previously. It's like, eh, feels a little bit like a chore. But I think for every field I've tried this in, like singing, uh, podcasting, <laughs> games, it's yielded like really good results. Because when I watch a replay of myself play these games, it is incredibly obvious some of the mistakes I'm making. Like, I don't even need the coach at times where I'm like, oh, yeah, like he'll just stop. He'll pause the thing after something happens. I'll go, yep, yeah, yeah, totally. That was, I don't know what I was thinking there. Because like your brain at the moment is so absorbed in the moment, it, it's too hard to get up to the next level of like calmly analyzing what you're doing and paying attention and catching the flaws. 
it kind of like connected for me how valuable this was and then how often people ask us to add recording to tuple hmm. oh they want yeah. to be able to watch their sessions after the fact interesting and it's like okay if this works everywhere else why wouldn't this work in pairing like it certainly could oddly this video game coaching experience is pushing the recording feature higher in my mental roadmap of useful things to add to tuple hmm that's very Rahul of you to uh, pull in gaming analogies <laughs> <Yeah>. into, <laughs> into business. <That's>, yes, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Do you feel like you can get a lot of the benefit of the kind of retrospective watch watch your prior performance or prior you know work on your own, or do you how essential do you feel like the coach is in getting a lot of value out of that exercise? The coach definitely ups it a lot. It's probably twice as useful to to watch it with a coach because. There are certainly things I spot, but there are things that he spots that I don't quite notice. It's definitely better. But the fact that you could get, you know, 50% of the value just by doing it yourself could be could be quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember talking to a um, friend of mine who does like SaaS sales and the amount of tooling in the sales space is just insane. But I think there's this, I think the app's called Gong and it like, will record every single sales call and then transcribe it via AI and like figure out what words you're saying that leads to what different points in the sales process. And it's insane the amount of like data and analytics they're putting behind that. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, that's a that's a great example. I think this is like very common in, in the sales world is to like, you know, watch your performance after the fact and analyze it and like get coached on it and have it like in sales in particular, I know they're like a pretty popular move is like, take the person who's performing the best and then have everyone watch their calls. And like, what is this person doing that I need to be doing? Right. I think culturally that has not quite spread to programming as strongly. I think it's kind of getting there with like therapy. There are more and more people streaming themselves programming, which I think is useful. Um, so you can get more of this now. I think it can be really potent. It's part of me feels like, shouldn't I just be able to notice this at the, in the moment? Like shouldn't watching it after the fact be kind of dull like or like or like, like not useful because like I already experienced it like what but it turns out like you're it's like there's so much processing power consumed in the moment by responding in real time to everything that you can't do as good an analysis as you could if you were sort of calmly sitting there watching what you were doing right right and when people have requested recording is it for this reason or are they wanting to create screencasts or like what's the what's the use case that people talk about it's actually an interesting spread of reasons i think probably the most common thing that that triggers this is actually people like doing mentoring it's like they're like mentoring a junior person or, or whatnot and they want to give them a record of that for after the fact i think people have requested it without saying why i, I would have to dig in more and see what they're what they're hoping i've had some people have asked for like the ability to stream right from it to something like twitch which i think is similar but different that's just sort of an interesting connection that happened to me when i hear about like how the sales world operates with with that kind of constantly inspecting prior performance and stuff it like I, it might take some of the joy out of my job if like everything was was being inspected even even just inspected by me but i do feel like it's something i could probably or a lot of people could get more comfortable with recognizing that there's a lot of value in it uh, just like anything else just like listening to yourself podcast or whatever you know yeah so and i mean if you're doing code reviews as part of your process like I I will sometimes write some code and then review it myself and then be like, oh, I don't actually like this. We should I should change this because the me who's calmly reviewing it is different than the me that wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
so we making a lot of progress on three-player mode, which is what we're calling it now. So instead of you have this sort of weirdly limited observer that you can add to a call, the differences between your like guest, your full-featured guest, and your observer are getting fewer and fewer. And I think basically in a week we're going to ship like the full the full thing. Wow! Congrats. I question I've been wanting to ask you about this feature. Like technically speaking, is three-player mode significantly different than just like n-player mode, <laughs> where you can have you know any number of people on the call? So after this, there are factorings that we did to make it three-player mode. There are fewer and fewer differences on the like. How do we handle a bunch of people having mouse cursors or sending keyboard events or things like that? Those have kind of become n n way things. The real tricky bit of going to really n users or one of them because there are multiple is the how do you structure the network connections? So with three, we have a mesh where it's just like it's it's still peer to peer. The host is streaming their desktop to the other two people. And then like the webcam and the sound and all that is kind of just flowing between the peers. We want to run some tests with four. I think we could potentially get away with a mesh network with four people. Maybe not. It depends on how, how your bandwidth is. But definitely beyond that, and maybe even at four, you sort of need to transition to like a us client server architecture. And that changes the equation hugely in terms of what does it cost us to host a tuple call? What does our infrastructure need to look like to support this? And also just like code changes in the tuple app itself, because it's just a, it's a different way of operating. Yeah, because presumably that's how Zoom and all the major like video conferencing platforms are doing. Like when it's beyond a couple of people, it has to go through a server, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's just it becomes prohibitive if you have a mesh network with a bunch of people in it, and that is why Zoom is such a valuable company. Is because that technology and architecture is hard yeah um, yeah it's not easy it looks simple on the surface it's like what i'm just it's just a t- it's just a brady bunch uh tiles of people's video and audio meshed together how hard could it be <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes yeah exactly going to true like n n number of participants is probably a pretty heavy lift or we know it is it is a heavy lift yeah but probably not not necessary for pairing or mobbing even Right. You know, we get a lot of requests for it. I think part of that is just that it's the easiest thing to think about. Like, it's the clearest limit of the software. So I think it's kind of like if you ask someone, what should we do? They're like, oh, well, like, remove this limit that I'm is very in your face. But also, I think people do, they do want it. When I dig into it, it's usually for mobbing. I'm surprised at how often people are asking for this for mob, like mob programming. And then I'll like kind of say, like, how big a group do you usually do this with? And it's rarely more than four. So maybe that like, it's not really like N, it's really just like four, which would be kind of nice because we might be able to just get away with that as a mesh network, possibly. It's requested surprisingly often. You would think with a pairing app, it's, I think some of it honestly is, is people wanting to use Tuple for more than pairing. Yeah. My hypothesis was like, it's an app that's in your dock. It's so easy to just click the little drop down, see all your people, hit the call button. That's a big shift in roadmap just to support, you know, people using misusing the product or not using it for its intended use case. But but I mean, that's kind of what happened. I mean, you look at like Slack, right? It started out like like just IRC with storage and then gradually like people just started running their entire businesses on it. You know, it's interesting to see how use cases emerge and evolve just because people people don't like having a bunch of different tools doing similar things. They like to centralize on one. And especially if you're like 
have a lot of goodwill and people really love tuple for what it does today and people can like have enough you know foresight to to envision other areas they could use the product if it just did x y and z you know totally yeah and yeah like if you got your whole team in your menu bar and you can call them instantly like it's i could see why you're like well why don't we use this for stand-up or like more things than just pairing it i totally get that i have like a, a weird relationship to this this sort of idea where it's like i want to do it i want to give people what they want it also changes things pretty drastically like in terms of complexity it's a bit scary from the like do we want this additional complexity in our, in our lives like it kind of brings me back to this question that I've, I've had in my head for a long time which is like can it be right to say no to a feature that lots of your users want and ask for all the time and then what what do you mean by right here is like kind of critical but like the obvious thing to do is to give the people the thing they want and are asking for a lot. If you suspect it's going to have downstream effects that are some positive and some negative, you have to weigh that. It's like the, the people pleaser in me wants to give it them, of course. Um, but also it's like I, th- we do have some concerns about what the world might look like if we did. And people will request things and they have varying degrees of like actually... Like, what's the downside of not satisfying those requests, right? Like, if they just want it because it'd be cool. And, of course, it would be a little slightly more convenient for them. But it's not like they're a churn risk because you don't build certain things like that, you know? So, yeah, necessarily. Like, maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, in the maybe, long, maybe in the long term, right? But those are generally like, like, you know, if Tuple can't do exactly what Zoom can do, you know, people who are using it for pairing today aren't going to cancel tomorrow maybe in like five years or something or some long-term horizon but yeah it makes us less attractive right if you have to have two tools instead of one i think there'd be benefits for sure it's interesting if we were like a a funded company i feel like we wouldn't stop to ask like does this create a kind of thing we don't really want to work on as much we would just say people want it let's do it but i almost feel like because we have more freedom and flexibility it, this makes it a trickier decision whereas like we get to think about it more and, and decide yeah I, but i think that's what a lot of a lot of product development is is saying no a majority of the time <laughs> you know <laughs> even funded companies i mean there's only so many um, areas of responsibility they can take on because as we've opined on many times building software is hard right building high quality software totally and then it's like people ask for this because like like for for many reasons but i think part of it is just like it's it's an it's an obvious thing to ask for when you ask for something like this you don't think i would like this and also it's okay if future development is 20 percent slower because of the additional complexity of uh, this future exposes you just think like yeah i want to add a fourth person that'd be cool yeah yeah the people in that from that perspective don't have an entire perspective on the actual holistic like cost opportunity cost because you're a finite, you're a finite set of resources building this solution, so there's going to be a trade-off. Right now we have infrastructure, so do we need to hire someone to run the infrastructure, like to report on it, to give analytics, to maintain it, to all this stuff? Now the company itself has another person. It increases our com- our communication requirements. Uh, it reduces profit. Uh, it's like there's all these things where it's like it's iceberg kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you have a lot of these potential large bets in front of you, areas you could invest. Like you could go for ubiquitous operating system support, and that would be probably similar lines of complexity because now you're maintaining code bases that operate under different environments. And I imagine that's that's a pouring concrete kind of decision, right? As mm-hmm. to, to use the base camp parlance, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and feels like this like 
many player mode would be a similar type of uh, decision that's hard to come hard to reverse or hard to you know reduce the complexity of once you commit to it so mm-hmm. this would be a hard mvp kind of thing like there's a bunch of a bunch of things that would have to happen to just even try it so it's not even like a lightweight kind of v1 thing i don't think but then again well, i don't know it's people want it <laughs> yeah. let's make the customers happy let's go <laughs> we're nearing the end of the year are you guys you guys are doing your retreat still right is that coming up we're gonna do it um shortly after the beginning of the year okay okay but yeah i think this i mean this will for sure come up yeah, this, I, think, yeah. I feel like like what are the big projects of 2021 is kind of the main point i think that's the most important thing to talk about actually along with our own happiness and such right yeah i imagine that's kind of just a natural point to to think about some you know potentially a big a big initiative right Mm-hmm. yeah i think that makes sense yeah um even just like deciding like okay not this but yes this and like probably not this quarter but maybe this quarter kind of thing would be useful just have a plan there because sometimes it's nice if people are like oh, i really want this like okay yeah we agree later this year kind of thing is better than thanks for the feedback right yeah yeah people have, have asked me that for things like linux they're like is this even on the roadmap is it like can, should I think that maybe this comes someday or should I just not even want it? Or so people have a look at, are looking for guidance. Yeah. It is nice to be able to give at least some kind of answer. That's not the vaguest answer in the world to that kind of question, you know, yeah. like totally. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on in your world? Well, things are continuing to roll along for savvy Cal. Let's see. I probably one of the biggest things I did, in the last couple of weeks, uh, or I did it this week, I guess. I launched a free trial, seven-day free trial. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't see that. So this is just turning turning the dial up slightly on, you know, making it easier for people to to get a taste of the value up front before paying. Corey and I kind of batted this around, like, what length of trial would be appropriate. And we felt like it was kind of somewhere between 7 and 14, because once you have your links set up, which you can do all of the setup before activating your trial... Then it's just a matter of like sending it to someone and having a good experience with like scheduling a thing and potentially having that meeting. And that's very likely to come, you know, pretty quickly with drip. And we were thinking about figuring out a trial length. It was like, how long does it take for someone to, you know, install a JavaScript snippet on their website, start collecting email addresses, send some email campaigns, you know, write, write a couple emails. And so there was a lot more to do to get to like that point of really feeling successful with the product. And we we determined like it was about 21 days on average that it took people to to reach that point. So that's how we kind of backed into a trial length kind of ended up going on the shorter end with seven days. And an interesting thing happened after shipping this. So I haven't actually announced it yet to the to the broader user base yet or the people, I guess, who haven't, you know, haven't converted yet because I want to send out a, a product updates email kind of recapping November and do that in tandem. But I did tweet about it. So some people, you know, saw that. And, and of course, people who hit the billing page, see a now you have two options, I left in the option to upgrade immediately. So you can still, that's still like the primary call to action is just upgrade now and it takes you to a checkout page that doesn't have a trial. And next to it is a start a seven day free trial button. And after shipping it, the, the next couple of customers who converted used like didn't use the trial, they just upgraded immediately, which I thought was interesting. And then I was talking to a friend and he was like, yeah, there might be some some like interesting psychology to that. Like people 
when people only have one option, they're they're in some cases more likely to hesitate to do it. But if you give them multiple options, they'll just they'll pick still the primary one, but like feel like better that they have multiple options in front of them or something. So it'll be interesting to see if this ends up being like some kind of, you know, growth hack just to encourage people to still click the (laughs) click the original upgrade immediately button or not. So I need more data on that to see how it's going to flesh out. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to picture myself in that situation. I could mm-hmm. almost see myself just upgrading too. Just yeah. like, ah, I, I know I'm going to use this. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And like you almost, maybe you're just, you might be building goodwill by having that option there, but people don't take you up on it that often. Do you need to enter a credit card for the trial? You do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm giving you a card either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It'd be funny if you added that and like, people just didn't use it i know but then upgraded more often that would be quite a result i know like i couldn't really give a a great reason why i have seen this done before where you have the option to immediately upgrade or start a trial that was that was a decision point like do i just funnel everyone through the same the same path and like everyone gets a seven-day trial or do i let the user select and it's not like i you know need their revenue seven days earlier like there's not a dire reason to to have that it just felt right to give people the ability to financially commit even earlier if they were willing to you know or just i don't know maybe just wanted to feel like i got this i got this locked in i don't have to worry about you know something trying to charge my card in a week like it's just it's done i know i'm gonna i know i'm gonna use it oddly there's something about the certainty of just like all right i'm paying for it versus like i have to remember that i'm in a free trial yeah i wonder yeah that's interesting yeah did you think about a different metric for a trial like your first three appointments or something yeah we did we we batted that around a little bit and that's still kind of on the table for like a more of a freemium play i guess where it's like constrained by something i mean what what they generally do tools that have freemium in this space generally have like limit the number of scheduling links you can you can create it's like calendly's like two i think i went back and forth on that like i didn't i don't like the idea of like incentivizing people to not use the product well during their trial. And like one of the one of the things that a lot of people do is create they tend to create more links in SavvyCal than they do in Calendly because they're inherently lighter weight. You can personalize them. You can it's just easier to I intentionally made it easier to do that. So it's kind of best practice to spin up a bunch of links or or not be afraid to spin them up. So like if I constrained that and people didn't get to experience that workflow in their trial then that doesn't feel good like it feels like they're just not getting a good taste of the product you know yeah yeah i i was thinking just more like if the time that someone gets value is when someone actually books a couple meetings with them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's really like when they would probably be able to make the best decision as to hey am i ready to purchase this yeah 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 potentially seven days we have the same thing by the way like we do a time-based trial but then like Sometimes people get sort of stuck in onboarding. They don't quite invite people. They don't do calls. Like we should probably have this 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 as well. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of that it's an interesting balance between like keeping a good amount of time pressure, but not so much pressure that it's demotivating to customers, you know? Like like I want them to feel a little bit of sense of urgency to get get it set up and start using it, as opposed to just like, you know, the tripwire happens where they flip over from trial to paid once they've booked a certain number, because then they could kind of drag their feet on that and just you know so i don't know that's trials are helpful for like for kind of nudging people to activate quicker because they know a a payment is coming you know so yeah i mean all of this kind of up for up for debate one of the things that 
the drawbacks with the with the fixed number of meeting things is like it would be a bummer if you know they hit three and they had sent this link out to a bunch of people say and say the number was the limit was three and then three gets booked and then something goes wrong with their payment or something and then it's like do we cut their link off after they hit the limit or do we have a grace period and then there's like what's the grace period actually how is it enforced and i don't know it just gets kind of tricky um mm-hmm. yeah so. that's fair this felt like the the simplest simplest yeah. way to to dip my toe in the in the trial game mm-hmm. i would put money that two years from now it's exactly the same you think yeah because this is like the i feel like the mvp on like pricing and such like tends to be like you ship it and it works well enough and then like that like it's on to other things unless you're a bug in my ear constantly encouraging <laughs> me to test my pricing which uh which, which hasn't is, really worked so far so <laughs> oh i know you wanted me to to default to annual right that was your big yes. push this time especially if you get a trial now right that that conversation we had is still rolling through my head we had a couple of weeks ago where it's like i take comfort in the the monthly check-in as opposed to potentially having zombie customers who have paid annual but are not but are at high churn risk because they're not actually using the product that's the main reason why i didn't do that immediately but at least right now i'm feeling like open to experimenting with this so i I hope i hope i do play with stuff Corey is a good like encourage (laughs) encourager in that too he always wants to test stuff you know he's a good marketer so that's that's what good marketers do i think you know yeah one thing we see is sometimes people will sign up go through the trial not really use it that much and then email us after they get charged like oh i meant to cancel this can you can you refund this like I suspect you'll see that as well. It's so like the like the whole like zombie thing can can kind of happen, and sometimes it's a couple months later. Like oh, I thought I canceled this back in whatever, but can you refund the last three whatever? So you can still kind of get that zombie revenue a little bit, but I wonder if the like after this trial we're going to charge you for a year of this might spur more people to pay more attention and like give it a real shot. Like all right, I have to make sure I know if I want them to charge this or not. It's almost like I wonder if the bigger payment would cause more serious usage during the trial yeah yeah i could see that well it's great that you added a trial and no one's using it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so that that was the first couple and then and now there's been a few more and so it's about 50 50 right now on um, clicking the upgrade now versus trial so still very very small numbers i'll report back next week at on what the ratio is looking like (laughs) okay maybe it was just anomaly we'll see um could be yeah it'd be it'd be, it'd be kind of great if it's not yeah yeah i wonder what we could offer people that they would not take us up on <laughs> right <laughs> yeah the best kind of offer right um mm-hmm. yeah and then i guess the other big thing that i that we got shipped was um some competitor comparison pages um mm, oh, yes which you know and that's kind of like a big that's a big check thing to check off i feel like especially when entering a, a competitive space naturally a lot of people just want to know how are you different, you know? And so it's like you're doing yourself a big favor by, by just like putting the effort into that to, to at least start to build up your case for, for how you're different. And, and so we, we did a Calendly one and actually have one comparing against meeting bird, which is a little bit more of an obscure tool. I think they got acquired um, shortly after launching like three years ago, but they are shutting down at the end of december like december 21st i have several people using savvy cal right now who were meeting bird users and i think i have like just happened to have good alignment of 
what Savvy Cal can do and what Meeting Bird could do that people, it feels like a good, a good alternative for them. And so, so we built that comparison page uh, for them too. And then we're going to experiment with some ads, some Twitter ads to basically try to appeal to people who, who might be perhaps be Meeting Bird users looking for a, an alternative. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Be interesting to hear how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I assume Corey is running this or yep. will be running those. Yep. Yep. So those will probably cool. kick off in the next couple of days here. Interesting. Feels like you've got uh, a little bit of momentum going. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday I decided to translate the Calendly comparison page into a Twitter thread. Just laying in bed, had the idea. I was like, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to, I'm going to try a thread and see how this goes. And it's nice because the way the way Corey wrote the page, it was kind of like nine basic ideas about how, you know, Savvy Cal outperforms Calendly. And so they kind of fit, they fit into tweets pretty well, you know, could just, just succinctly highlight the differences. It's got a lot of lift, a lot of, a lot of activity, got a flurry of signups post that we'll see if they, how they convert. But, um, I think it was a successful little, little experiment. Mm, Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That page seemed great. It was good to see that you had thought about this and had answers for these things and could talk about them well. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Well, anything else going on? No, I think that's it for me for this week. All right. Notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artopoduckpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.